I'm on the Wagaloo Monkeys with me, Graham Rice, here on WJFF Radio Catskill. We continue to showcase poetry set to music, and this week, the Irish poet W.B. Yeats. Join me, please, on Sunday afternoon at three. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at TheCalicoonTheater.com. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. And with me today is writer, filmmaker, actress, and mother, Toby Poser. You may have previously heard Toby on the show talking about films she and her family have made right up here in the Catskills. Today's show is a love letter to America. After all, tomorrow is July 4th. In September of 2020, Toby, her husband John, and daughter Zelda set off in their truck, pulling a 27-foot mini Winnebago travel trailer across the varied landscapes of America. Toby refers to this as Road Trip Redux because they had done this once before, traveling from California to the Catskills, with the end result being their first film, Rumble Strips. But that was not during a pandemic. Toby's going to tell you the story. Here we go. Toby, thanks so much for joining me today on Catskill Character. Donna Donna, I am so delighted to be here. Thank you so much. You know, I refer to your blog about this trip as a love letter to America because your descriptions of the places you saw are so vivid and uplifting. I asked you to read from the blog today, and we're going to do that. But before we start, can you talk a little bit about Vermont and what happened up there when you first started your road trip? Sure. Zelda was going to be schooling virtually. We knew that this would be a great time to hit the road. We could shoot our film, and I wanted to uh, make this travel blog while I was going along because I love writing. And our first stop was Vermont. Now, we have never owned a trailer. We bought a pickup, we bought a 28-foot trailer, and our first stop, unfortunately, was on someone's property up a steep gravel hill Mm -mm. at an acute angle that John had to back up into, and it was was a wonderful trial to get through for our first night because we realized if we could do that, we can make it anywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, we did. And then the next morning, we were about to take off and we realized the pin holding our trailer to the hitch had been stolen. Stolen? Stolen. In the middle of this country, someone had removed the pin. It was the only way it it could have come out. Wow. And, uh, And so we would have taken off down this steep hill again and who knows what we would have wow. hit. Oh my God. Definitely a tree because it's the country, but uh, it could have been really bad. We get it hitched up. We've found another pin and then we're taking off. And of course you're trying to find maps, but to use your maps to find where you're going, but things are different when you've, when you're trailing, you know, feet behind right. you. And we ended up down a small little country road, and we had to do about a 50-point turn to turn around. 
it was a little nerve-wracking the first day, but then it was smooth sailing after. Wow. Now, some people would have turned around right there and said, <laughs> okay, I don't think this is going to work. We like a good challenge. Yes, I can see that. So let's start with the blog. I think it's number five. Sure. This was October 9th, 2020. Here's the lowdown on the slowdown. It's about a bone-straight country road flanked by legions of corn stalks grayed and at post-summer rest their papery swords bent by the winds. It's about faded metal water towers, all long neck and fat head, proudly mouthing small town names like Sun Prairie, Baraboo, and Jolly. It's about soft peanut butter and jelly sandwiches assembled on a dusty gravel shoulder that smells of cow and dirt and is kind of nice. It's about feet on the dashboard and wind and hair, about singing to the radio and sharing apples, John horse gobbles them down to the core, my favorite part, which I then gnaw into a heart-shaped nub. Zelda studies quietly in the back seat. Weeds tumble across the road like feathers. Windmills tickle the horizon. Watching the views sprawl outside the car windows, John says, America's just so damn big. Z turns down the music and says, I'm going to write my history essay. I say, good luck. Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Heartland, Hardland. The wonder wheels like the long, flat roads, but not the occasional strong gusts. Strange how they can make a 5,000-pound trailer wobble and reel while the watching cows stand solid and uh, unmoved. <laughs> As we head west, chasing the sundown, I can't help but feel like happiness is a road, or a cloud, or an old truck rusting in a field. Sometimes you need some space to feel small, to slice through the stillness with a set of wheels and a pair of eyes. Tonight we'll reach South Dakota. The West, with its big beauty, dangles like a tasty carrot, and the ache of anticipation is like waiting for a second kiss from the person who knocked you out with the first kiss. A little dizzying, a little scary, a lot of thrilling. I like it. I like that. The, <laughs> the low down on the slow down. What Thank a great you. way to start. <laughs> so, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, the heartlands, and John says, America is so damn big. We know it intellectually, but do we really get it till we're out there? What do you think? When you're out there, you finally get it down deep in your soul. This is huge. I forget how big it is. Even living in the countryside where you can feel a little isolated now and then, once you get out of your zone, you realize, wow, this is a massive country. You can go from a city that's just concentrated with people, people, people. And within 20 minutes, perhaps, you're on a straight road and you mm. just don't even have to get off that road. And you just go and go and go. Sometimes you don't pass cars for miles and miles. And, um, you know, you have the flat land. Sometimes you see mountains in the distance. The space really awes me. It comforts me because sometimes it's easy to feel like there's just too much of everything. And I, and I love getting on the road and, have, and f having those moments of isolation and, yeah, just feeling like a small, one small atom in a big, big molecule yeah. of citizens. <laughs> big molecules of citizens. I like <laughs> that. And also, because it was COVID, being out there, just the three of you, I guess there's a certain sense of safety, too. 
Definitely. Having a home on wheels felt very safe. Just like if, as if we were at home, we, we could go into a grocery store and stock up for a week and not have to go into another. Yeah. Felt very protected. It's kind of emblematic of the lack sometimes of understanding that people in different parts of this country can have for others living in places that they've never seen. So people that live in, say, Iowa or Ohio. I can use Ohio because my son went to college there. And whenever I would say I was from New Jersey, they would say, oh, you're from Jersey? Jersey? You know, they have a very stereotypic idea of what people from different parts of the country are like. And it's sort of emblematic of, of a lot of what's going on now. You know, there's a lot of stress and strain and people on one side of the fence and on the other side of the fence. So I just thought that going out into the heartlands, when you really get it, you see people are down deep. We're all the same. You know, it's a way of kind of bringing them to get everyone together. Definitely. I think there's something we all share and it works both ways. Sometimes I think if we were passing through, let's say, Iowa or South Dakota, we could feel like, oh, people know we're from from the East. And we might feel like they think, oh, you know, they're these Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. But we might have these feelings, too, about them. And it's good to take yourself out of your safety zone and be in other places and realize we share so much. There's so much that we have in common. What I loved about going to all these little towns is often you go in and there's this set town square, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a little like park with maybe the courthouse, you know, in the, in the middle, you know, the town center and then buildings around it, a beautiful brick. I mean, you just see brick wherever you go in America and stone, old stone, And, you know, there are families and there are playgrounds and there are schools and you realize we're all alike. Mm -hmm. We're just a little, you know, we have different textures and that's Mm -hmm. beautiful. And that's one of the things I appreciate most when I get out of where I live and really stretch our wings and go all over the states. You realize everything's different. Everything's the same. We can meet in the middle in most beautiful ways. And we all just want to love where we live and feel safe and mm. and enjoy life. Exactly. You also said something in your blog about sometimes you think it's a good idea for us to feel small. What did you mean by that? It's good to feel, going back to what I had just said a minute ago, it's good to feel like we're just, I'm going to use the anatomy uh, metaphor again, that we're just one little cell in an entire body. Uh, you know, if we think of the country as a body and we need and we're built up of millions and millions of cells, billions of cells. I like to feel like a tiny cell that is important. We need all those cells, but it only works. Our, our body works if all the cells are put together into one organ or one function, you know, yeah. fun- functioning organ. And so I like to feel like I'm just one tiny thing in a very, very much bigger picture. That's good. There's no I there. It's we. I think it's important to know that we're, we're all we. We're mm-hmm. a bunch of eyes making up the we. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, let's jump to the Pacific Northwest. Great. This was written on December 21st, 2020. The Pacific Northwest is demanding. Rain and wind hammer the coast and gnaw at our little home on wheels. Washington looms like a masthead over its gusty, water-bound corner of the country, and the wet drama is captured in names that all make sense. Deception Pass, Dismal Niche, Cape Disappointment, 
It's easy to feel the haunt of ships and souls lost in the deep, dark drink. This place is wild, unpredictable. It has a pirate heart. While we sleep, the Pacific swallows massive trees, plays with them in its mouth, and spits them onto the shore. I can hear the boom and crunch. The beach is a pickup stick display of dried, gray bones. In a state that isn't shy about its natural gifts, Washington's Olympic Peninsula is especially talented. The Pacific Ocean pummels its western edge, muscles its way through the Strait of Juan de Fuca, nudging Canada above, eases into the Salish Sea, and finally sinks into the Puget Sound. In Port Townsend, a lovely town in the peninsula's top right corner, we watch river otters, sea lions, and orcas just a stone throw from the trailer. The views here make you feel like you're plopped inside a giant caldera, distant snowy mountains puckered around the watery town on all sides the Cascades and Mount Baker, the Olympics, and Mount Rainier shining like a silver yoke in the faraway sky. And then there are the rainforests, fuzzy, lush, dripping in hot forest breath, steeped in fog. After two months in the Northwest, we're pretty much addicted. Washington and Oregon are iconic, like eagles perched high up on their wild edge of the country, and we are easy prey, happy to be hunted and ripped all to love pieces. We flit between parks on both state coasts, and it never gets old. And we can see Lulu. She comes to us, we go to her. It's an odd but beautiful bonding in the time of COVID. Campfires and rooftops and virtual hugs. Love always lurks in all the things we cannot see or do. So, we're shooting and living. The Wonder Wheeler leaks, her furnace broke, and sand is found of her forever home in the cracks. But she keeps on rolling. And thankfully, so do we. Toby, that was so beautiful. I, I just can't tell you how much I love your writing. What I, I was struck by was when you said that your time with Lulu, now let me get it straight, it was an odd but beautiful bonding in the time of COVID. Could you talk about that for a moment? Sure, and thank you for your nice compliment. So Lulu's our 22-year-old daughter who was living in Portland, Oregon. In the Northwest, we were shooting with her. She makes an appearance in our film. But we did this all under social distance <laughs> mm. because she worked with kids. This was before everyone was vaccinated. It was a little strange because you just want to hug and love your kid, but you can't. She didn't even set foot inside the trailer. And that was odd. And yet we had the space of these beautiful Oregon beaches and we would walk on the beaches. We could even ride our bikes on the beaches at night. The sand was so hard and jellyfish would light up, you know, under the moonlight. It, it was one of my favorite memories ever with my kids. So it was strange. And yet we were allowed to still feel close, you know, mm. just because you got to wear a mask and be six feet apart doesn't mean you can still love on each other. And in ways... I think it brought a certain intimacy, too, which I know a lot of people have, have struggled, but we found it brought us much closer, mm -hmm. just the time that we could be together six feet apart, talking, you know, sitting, watching a movie. Instead, you're, you're engaging with each other. Yeah. So I thought it was a lucky thing. You're listening to Toby Poser, my guest today on Catskill Character. This is WJFF Radio Catskill. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with more with Toby. Hey there, I'm Cassie of Rare Pair Radio. It's a weekly showcase of primarily female artists, but also a wide range of avant-garde musicians. 
I will be playing the fruit of post-punk, experimental, and fringe music, only on WJFF Radio Catskill. Rare Pair Radio, Friday at 8 p.m. Welcome back to Catskill Character. If you've just joined us, we're taking a trip across America via the blog of Toby Poser. Written as she, her husband, and daughter drove across America shooting their latest movie, Hellbender, and enjoying the ride. So far, we've heard about the heartlands and the Pacific Northwest. We spoke a bit about the odd, happy bonding that took place during COVID between the family and their firstborn daughter, Lulu, living in Oregon. This is not to diminish or dismiss all the horror and loss that COVID wrought, but to accentuate the unexpected spaces in this land, unknown until you get there. In the second half of the show, Toby's going to read more from her blog. Toby, let's go to Arizona and hear something about the desert. Oh, I love the desert. All right, this was written February 4th, 2021 now. Arizona, the desert and snow. Like a sea on fire or a tree growing on a rock, some things just don't seem to mix. And when they do, it's weird, a little jarring. The kind of thing that can alter the DNA of one's perception. Which is always a good thing. Please, give me that. Crack me open and pour in a cup of never seen, a hunk of unknown, and a dash of huh? When we pulled into Dead Horse Ranch State Park in Cottonwood, Arizona, the terrain was a familiar Sonoran desert scene. Dusty, crusty brown, and fringed in the muted gray-greens of juniper, sagebrush, and puffy cottonwood trees. We rode our bikes up-down all around a high loop in the Coconino National Forest, a desert forest, during which I learned I am a royal chicken when my bike finds itself on anything other than pavement or dirt. Hell, thy name is gravel. But we're not terrified by the natural roller coaster of rock, sand, and eye-gouging shrubbery, my heart-going full-steam lubdubbery. It was a desert ride to remember. By evening, wind stoked angry clouds and the first flecks of snow began to whirl like ash from a white, scalded sky. The heat from the desert day shrank lizard-like into the cold desert night, and by morning the DNA of my perception had changed. The desert and snow. A strange marriage of star-crossed lovers fully draped in a veil of white. Cacti transformed into funny whiskered snowmen, yucca into narwhals, their shoots piercing a sea of sparkling fluff. And in Sedona, striking, vibrant, sexy Sedona, the red cliffs and ragged mesas looked like massive hunks of half-eaten devil's food cake, white icing dripping down the sides. Snow aside, the desert is full of characters. You could write a classic western opera on the cacti alone. You've got your saguaro, tall and proud, like a hydra-headed sheriff. The deputy might be a squad, jovial barrel cactus. Then there's the Ocotillo, your villain, all spidery and barbed-wired with its sneaky, thick-fingered sidekick, the Chola, quick to stick with daggered burrs. The Joshua trees are your preachers, arms raised in prayer for the souls of the sinners, and the prickly pear are your bosomy damsels, flashing their purple succulents, batting thorny lashes. Coyotes hide in the wings, crooning a sad, hungry ballad, and hawks saw thin, rusty cords in the rafters. Winds jangle like spurs. Of course, there's more to Arizona than its deserts. There are some cool towns we love revisiting, like Jerome. Built up high in a mountain overlooking the Verde Valley, 
It's a strange kind of slinky living ghost town, all switchbacks and steep streets lined with both galleries and crumbling facades. And then there's Bisbee, an artsy old mining town near the border of Mexico. The massive red open copper mine could swallow the whole charming historic district. Haunted hotels, cracked walls, and antique shops stipple the spindled town. Its tiers spun out and stitched together by thousands of stone steps that zig and zag up the mountain like ivy. We've got another ghost town or two on our horizon, in Texas. We're headed to Big Bend along the Rio Grande. More desert opera, maybe a tarantula or two. Big skies and brazen stars. Wow, it's such a surprise, isn't it, when you're in the desert and you look off in the distance and you see snow on the mountaintops? Oh, yeah, that is really cool. That's why it really, it looked to me like devil's food cake. Like yeah. These beautiful red, you know, um, structures, monoliths with just snow dripping down the sides. And I have to salute you for being brave and staying on that bike, even though it wasn't <laughs> pavement. Speed isn't your thing. No. Okay. Let's get to the last blog, okay? Great. This blog is, uh, this was the final piece, written on March 14th, 2021. When you're happy, art's hard. That's what John said when I was struggling to kickstart this final post from our six months on the road. And he's right. Our time rolling around in the wonder wheels has left us giddy and full-bellied from the fall to winter feasting on America. We gobbled up a good chunk of this place and got sauced on the sights. Hey, when a crumbling desert mesa tosses you a biscuit, you take a bite. When the Oregon coast offers you a drink, you hand it a glass. And when the Rockies raise a giant iron fist, you say, uh, which eye? But for nature, art is neither hard nor easy. It's just another day at work. She clocks in, gets to it, hangs her labors on the wall, and doesn't charge a fee to take a peek. What a peach. It was good to step inside and go from room to room in her American gallery, northeast to northwest to southwest and home. A good chunk, yeah, but really a nice size to chew on. It's like a thumbnail on Earth's hand. But an outstretched thumb can take you far, and this trip, ah, this trip. To put it into perspective, yesterday I dug a black shard of cactus thorn out of my leg, and I was thrilled. It was there for more than a month, still hard and persistent like the Chihuahuan desert that raised the cactus, that grew the arm, that launched the thorn that stabbed my leg. I remember the moment it speared me, and this makes my heart wag. We were hiking in Big Bend National Park, racing the setting sun, and the sun won, so we were navigating the dark, and the sneaky sucker got me. It was painful, even shocking, but I loved it. I hope the scar sticks around to remind me of that wild, star-flared, chilly, dark desert night. I hope for many things that somewhere in the northwest, beached jellyfish are still catching the moon, lit up like lanterns in the wet Pacific black, that winds are rising like witches from the top of the White Mountains of Maine, the White Mountains of New Hampshire, excuse me, that the silky gray sand from the Salish Sea still hides in my shoes, that the ghosts of highways haunt my heart, I hope the inky sawtooths nip at my thoughts and the soft wheat-whipped prairies sweep my dreams. If the memories flicker and fade, luckily we've got our film Hellbender as a moving monument of our adventures. As always, the road is the best location scout. You just have to wander down one. So thanks, America. Perhaps art isn't always hard when you're happy. You know, I've thought a lot about that statement 
that John made. When your happy life, uh, when your happy art is hard, mm-hmm. do you think it's the discipline that makes it hard when you're happy? Because when you're sad, you just want to pour it out. What do you think? I think the discipline is something to do with it because when you're happy, you're so busy just being happy mm. and doing all the things that make you happy. And there's something about when you're sad, you can just like chew on that emotion so easily that and, you, and to to purge it, to get rid of it, you, you you're creative. It's easy to write a song about being heartbroken, let's say, or lonely. But sometimes when you're happy, you don't want to define it. You just want to live it. But I, but in the end, I did find that it wasn't necessarily true because the happiness sort of ignited my creativity, too. Right. And you wrote this fantastic blog, and you were pretty damn happy. I definitely was. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I had to ask you, what's it like to be on the road with a 17-year-old? Now, admittedly, this is no ordinary 17-year-old, <laughs> and she's, you know, she's very gifted. But what was it like being with her? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, Zelda uh, turned 17 on the road, and I got to say, she is, well, she grew up, she grew up on the road with us, because we've always wandered. So she's just a peach to travel with. She's mm. very easy. But for her, I'm not sure it was always fun, because on the West Coast, she was doing virtual school on the East Coast, oh. so she would have to wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning sometimes to wow. start school around like 5. And she never complained. And we we would wake up hours later, and she'd almost be done by with school by then. It was fun, you know. Zelda's got a cool teenager's perspective that we we learn from and we love. Yeah. And she's just a great adventure companion. And she's very disciplined. I mean, that takes a lot of discipline. Yep. And I love your food metaphors. You use a <laughs> lot of food metaphors throughout the blog. I love I love feeding people. And I love eating. Yeah. <laughs> and I dream about food. It's so funny. John dreams about murdering people, but I dream about eating. <laughs> so for me, everything is something to chew on, you know, wow. metaphorically or literally. Yeah. Well, you're feeding everybody with this blog. You know, you're really giving them a sense of America. And it's I love fantastic. that. Thanks. I'm, I'm really excited to see Hellbender when it comes out. And I want to see how you utilize these different locations. So I I feel like I have like an insider's scoop on Hellbender, even though I don't even know what it's about yet. (laughs) But uh, I just want to say happy 4th of July, Toby. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for coming. Donna, thank you for having me and especially to honor this really wonderful, beautiful, vast country we live in. So thanks for helping me celebrate with you. Okay. This has been Catskill Character with today's guest, Toby Poser. To read her blog, you can go to the website, wonderwheelproductions.com. Please join me as I speak to wonderful characters of the Catskills every Saturday at this time, right after Farming Country. And you know, after speaking with Toby today, I've got the urge to move out of my house studio and hit the road. Maybe I'll do just that. Have a wonderful, safe 4th of July. I think you've earned a lot of celebrating, but stay safe and please join me next week right here at the same time. I'm Donna Fellenberg. Thanks so much for listening. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater. 
an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. WJFF Radio Catskills, keeping you connected with national news, community interviews, and your favorite local shows. On last week's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, T-Pain sang Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday to you. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. He probably won't come back this week and do for He's a Jolly Good Fellow, but what if he does and you miss it? Join us for this week's Wait, Wait from NPR. Sunday morning at 10 on Radio Catskill. WJFF, Jeffersonville. Public radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Radio Catskill. Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville, building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. Riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering, now offering takeout, neversinkgeneralstore.com. And from listeners like you. You can never control when your book is going to enter the world, when the sort of circumstances of society, when your book enters the world. I worked on this book for four years, and it has obviously entered the world in a moment where we are having these conversations around critical race theory, the 1619 Project. Juneteenth has become a federal holiday for the first time. So a lot of what I touch on in the book, slavery and history and memory, how we remember, are obviously top of our public discourse at the moment.